Howdy, howdy, my friends, and welcome to uh, episode 223 of Keeping Up with the King. This is uh, the Run of the Mills podcast, and this is our daily run, and my name is Mike Mills, thus the name of the podcast. Yeah, I named it after myself. Tacky, I know. But hey, that's what it is, so uh, too late to change it now. Hey, we are in Matthew chapter 22, and we are on verse 15 or so, and what we've been reading about is, this is, of course, the last week of Jesus' ministry before his arrest, his uh, crucifixion and resurrection. And so he's in the temple courts, and he has been speaking quite forcefully against the chief priests, the religious leaders of the day. Uh, They perceive that he's talking to them, and uh, he just keeps piling on. And I think we're going to see in a little bit that he's going to explain why. But at this point, we see the pushback, right? The pushback from the Pharisees, um, and it says in verse 15, Then the Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle him in his talk. And so the Pharisees get together to decide, hey, what can we say? What can we do to get him um, either to um, mess up in his words or get him in trouble? And in this case, it seems like their first plan is to get him in trouble with either the people or with Rome. Uh, kind of like he did when he asked them the question about was the baptism of John from God or from men, uh, they knew that uh, there wasn't a good answer. Uh, or, and so they, they said, we don't know. Um, that's earlier uh, in this uh, thing we've been reading about. So, hey, let's see what happens next. They, they uh, plot how they might entangle him in his talk. And they sent to him their disciples with the Herodians saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God and truth. Nor do you care about anyone, for you do not regard the person of man or the person of men. So they send their disciples with the Herodians. There's a lot of debate about who the Herodians are. Some believe that they are those Jews who were faithful to Herod. Um, I don't know if anybody really knows. I wasn't able to come across anything that had a great explanation, but maybe you have. Um, But notice this, that the Pharisees don't come to him. The chief priests don't come to him. They send their disciples, right? And their disciples come and they practice something that is referred to in the book of Proverbs as flattery. And flattery is a dangerous thing. Flattery is not complimentary, right? If you're giving someone, if you're giving someone compliments, if you're being complimentary, that's one thing. But flattery, the in- implications of flattery is something different. The idea of flattery is I'm praising you so that you might think better of me. All right. So it's building up this false sense of trust, false sense of, uh, you know, that, that's the idea. The idea is uh, I'm going to I'm going to say flattering words that are going to get you to even listen and respond to me. Um, you know, it's a dangerous thing, flattery. And again, Proverbs talks about it a lot, about this danger of of uh, the people who use words, not to build you up, but to build themselves up in your sight. So, uh, and it's one of those things we need to be aware of, that we don't become people that are practicing flattery, that we are uh, complimenting people, that we are speaking kindly to people, not for their good and for their benefit, but so that they'll think better of us, so that they'll be more impressed with us. So anyway, these guys come with a little bit of flattery. Teacher, we know that you are true. 
uh, which also would be a lie because it doesn't seem that they believe that. And teach the way of God in truth. Also, again, doesn't seem that they believe that. Nor do you care about anyone, but he does, uh, for you do not regard the person of men. Uh, I think that they did get that part right. They got right that Jesus was not concerned about um, the position, the standing of men uh, in the uh, world society. Um, it didn't matter if you were the chief priest, if you were the if you were a beggar, it didn't matter. He they they recognized that that uh, he is not a respecter of persons. Not meaning that he disrespect people, but rather that uh, there weren't people that were treated with a greater de degree of respect than others. So anyway, uh, I think bottom line is that he is not concerned about uh, impressing people, and they understand that. So they ask the question, here is the question. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? All right, so this is their, their trick question. Um, they... They, uh, I'm sure they thought, hey, this is a great question. Uh, is it lawful, uh, according to Jewish law, to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Because if we pay taxes to Caesar, then we are, uh, you know, that would be like what we're supposed to pay to the temple. We're giving honor to Caesar as God, and that would be a no-no. Uh, if he says, yeah, pay taxes to Caesar, they have all kinds of ammunition to use against him with the Jews. If he says, no, it's not lawful to pay taxes, then they have ammunition with the Romans. They can take it to the Romans and say, look, this guy is uh, telling the people that they don't have to pay taxes. And uh, that would get him into trouble really quick. So it says this, verse 18. But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, why do you test me, you hypocrites? I love it. You know, Jesus perceives their wickedness. Jesus knows what they're not going to sneak up on him. They're not going to trick him. And so he says, why do you test me? You, you know, you hypocrites, pretenders, you know, mask wearers. That's the idea. Show me the tax money. So they brought him a denarius. And he said to them, whose image and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. And he said to them, render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God." And when they heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. All right, so his answer is, I think, is more, maybe there's more nuance to this than maybe on the surface. The, the general idea is they bring him a Roman coin and say, you know, when he says, give me a, uh, give me a coin, somebody hands him a coin and it's a Roman coin. And he says, you know, he looks at that coin and says, whose picture is this? Whose inscription is this? And they rightly respond, well, it's Caesar. And he says, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. And uh, a lot of people know that phrase, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. So, but render unto God the things that are God's. Now, what I think is is uh, maybe um, hidden here, and maybe, maybe it's not hidden, maybe I just didn't notice it before when I read it. Uh, but uh, one of the things that he says is, whose image is on this? That's how we know who's, who it belongs to is by whose image is on it. And so when he says, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, well, the things that have Caesar's image upon them. Render unto God the things that are God's. Well, what are the things that are God's? What are those things that belong to God? Well, I think if we look at the first example, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, well, what were the things that were Caesar's? The things with his image on them. 
So when he says, render to God the things that are God's, I think we can safely say he's saying, render unto God the things that have God's image on them. Render unto God the things that have God's image upon them. Well, what is that? Well, that's me and that's you. We're created in God's image. And so we have to render unto God the things that are God's. We, are, we were created for him, by him, to do good works, to, for, for his glory, for fellowship with him and with each other. You know, we have to render ourselves to God. And that's, you know, when you, when you get to Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, and after Paul has finished laying out his basic, you know, ba the basics of Christianity, you know, he says, you know, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you offer yourself a living and sacrifice, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, and do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may know that good and perfect will of God. Offer yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. The idea there's render unto God the things that are God's in light of all that God has done for you, in light of the goodness of God, in light in light of who He is. Even let me back up. Even if God never did anything good for you or to you or offered you any blessings, you should still render yourself unto him because he's God and he's the creator. He made you. But the great thing is he's not some uh, some faceless, nameless, unknowable God. He's a, a, he a God who has revealed himself to us through his son and through his word. And so we can render ourselves up to him knowing that he is trustworthy with our lives. And so we can render to Caesar those things that are Caesar, but also remember to render to God the things that are his. What are the things that are his? The things with his image upon them, which is me and you. Render your life unto him. Live for him. Yeah, that's it. Live for him. Amen. I'll talk to you next time. God bless you.